0: everyone. My name is Samira Daswani. I am the host of the podcast, The Patient from Hell. It is brought to you by Manta Cares. Manta Cares is a global community of cancer caregivers and survivors, and we are on a mission to design and develop tools and resources that really help make the cancer experience just a little easier. So today, it is my Honor and incredible happiness to have Jessica on this podcast. Jessica is also a survivor and has started a nonprofit. And she, by the way, has been inspiring us and teaching us. I don't think she knows this, but teaching us how to use Instagram. So, at some point uh, in this conversation, Jessica, we're going to ask you to share your tips and tricks on how to share stories on Instagram. Okay. And I don't mean Instagram stories, I just mean your story. So maybe we can begin with what made you start to do giveaways on Instagram?
1: Yeah, I'm really at that question. So I um, was actually probably in my fourth or fifth chemotherapy treatment. This was in so I got cancer 2020, lovely um, you know COVID days. I feel like that's like the worst time when I had like plexiglass in between me and the, my neighboring chemo friend. So I just realized that I was kind of, I guess you could say like dying inside. Like there was a piece of me that just felt like I was kicking and screaming and didn't want to do it. Um, This is all like inner talk. And I, I just realized that the best ways for me to feel somewhat alive was to give back to others. And so I, you know, asked a friend of mine if she would help me come together with like some products that were really helpful. So my skin was having like a weird reaction to taxol and I realized our beauty care and makeup has, you know, a lot of um, chemicals in it. So I thought, what if I could bridge that gap and put together boxes that I could reach out to companies and they had insight on, you know, they couldn't say this is chemo safe. I don't think they're always going to say, go to your provider. They will never be able to say that, but what they can say is, and you can you know google your ingredients but they were very transparent with ingredients how they tested it what they used and everything was a lot safer than probably what we were all currently using so that's how it sort of started i just was getting an abundance of stuff from friends and family and felt so blessed that i don't think everybody else has that same i'm not that nobody does but i just i thought what if they could get something from a stranger that ha- is going through exactly what they are and it would support them
0: that's amazing so i uh, i wanted to share i was also diagnosed during covid and was going through chemo that's during like- covid so I I get the plexiglass between you and the next chemo person. I get the, oh my God, I'm in the ED and it's the spike of the pandemic and I have no immune system. There's a lot, there's a lot just in that, just in that little frame, we can spend probably hours talking.
1: (laughs) Right. Just about like to be a cancer patient during a pandemic. It's a whole nother level. Um, You know, my dad was really sad. He wanted to come to my chemo and he could not. So such a bummer.
0: It's true uh did you have did you get diagnosed post pandemic and lockdown as well or what happened there
1: so it was so i was pro- so yeah i was actually supposed to go march 20 2020 is when kind of we were like really locked down i had scheduled that month to have a scan done because i'm broca positive so i was doing my you know all of my routine visits and they had to push it back because even though I was a high risk patient, there was like nobody coming into work. So that actually so ironically saved my life because had I done it then, I would have not even really felt the urgency because my tumors were so small that Mm -hmm. even my mammogram, my biopsy, my MRI, everything Mm was not coming up with anything. So, and we can share that later, but so I'm just actually being grateful for COVID. (laughs)
0: That's amazing. Uh, When did you know that you were BRCA positive?
1: So I found out um, I was 20. So this was 16 years ago. My mom was diagnosed with stage four ovarian. And when we started to do really the genetic testing, we knew that um, there had to be something because everyone on my mom's side was passing away from ovarian cancer. So I think that was kind of you know, okay, let's figure out why. And my mom was young. She was 51. So right from there, um, my sister and I both tested positive for the BRCA1. And um, my sister's five years older. So she ended up getting every, you know, all the prophylactic, the hysterectomy and um, the mastectomy, double mastectomy when she was about 30 and 33. So um, like eight, nine Mm -hmm. years ago. And I was just so much younger and had not gotten married or had babies. So I really didn't have it on my radar unless I needed to. And, um, nobody felt the urgency with me until about 35. And so, um, 34 was when I was in a good job, stable, thought I was time to prophylactically remove them COVID hits. And yeah, they found it after they did my surgery, the tumors, I was essentially cancer free going in because nothing found it or anything so
0: wow so they do surgery find the tumors and then you had chemo
1: which is super rare especially for triple negative you usually do negative to shrink the tumors but none of my scans found my tumors and I ended up having two tumors instead of you know essentially zero which is what we expected so um yeah it was definitely one of those things where um we were all in shock And the reason you do chemo is because triple negative really doesn't have, you know, NCCN guidelines is just the standard of care is stage one. You do this stage two, you know, there's no targeted therapy. So chemotherapy is what I had to do to just kill everything.
0: Wow. So Jessica, the one thing I wanted to bring us back to is a lot of our listeners are all over the world, actually. So I'm wondering if you'd be okay talking a little bit about what is BRCA1, what is TNBC, just a little bit more there, because I don't think people who are listening to this necessarily know BRCA1, BRCA2, what that impact has on your life when you now have a genetic test. You are sort of- so,
1: yeah, and, and it's funny because back in the day, 16 years ago, that test was not free. So for anybody listening, it is supposed to be, uh, your insurance, um, Medicare, all of that, genetic testing should be now included, um, hopefully, because I know I think mine was, you know, like a 1500 two thousand dollar test. It was really expensive. Yeah. So, with that being said, I genetic it's it's basically genetic profiling. So you find out what would be driving the mutation, the gene, like a a biomarker of some sort, and the BRCA one is heavily related to the Ashkenazi. It's not the only, and there are plenty of people who are not, but that get triple negative, but triple negative breast cancer is non-hormonal. So it's basically not ER positive or HER2. Um, It is straight up very, I mean, it's typically a genetic mutation. So like I said, there is still a, a blanket of people who don't fall under that, you know, net of you can get it if you're not. But I think for me, it was my chances were 86% breast cancer and 63% ovarian cancer. So my high risk patient, I became, you know, someone that needed monitoring at least every six months. And, you know, obviously at 20, um, I was losing my mom. So very emotional. I did not understand any of it. And I also didn't care enough about myself to really Diligently do the scans or want to spend the money. I mean, I had just was just about to finish college. So I think I didn't take it seriously until I got older and realized that, you know, it's probably time to, you know, start thinking about things. And, um, you know, I say hindsight should have done it earlier, should have, could have, would have. I think everyone has to go through their own journey in deciding whether to prophylactically remove these organs. And to me, Enough time had passed that I didn't feel attached to my organs, like my breasts and stuff. But I do hear people who find out and surprise that it's it's very, it's very disheartening. And I I, I can under I, I can't relate because I've had so many years to process it was going to happen. So I can imagine it being a surprise and being a very challenging idea of like, oh my goodness, what am I gonna look like? And I guess I had, you know, my mom had prophylactically removed her breast. my sister had. Prophylactically removed mm-hmm. breasts. Then I had family friends who were also BRCA, doing the same thing. So I think I was very well on my way in the community. That just this is what we were doing to save our lives.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I think that lens is something that not a lot of people understand. And I, I, I actually was triple positive. So unlike you, I, I had your. ER- estrogen, progesterone, and then HER2-positive cancer. And that is almost like the flip of what we're talking about, because with triple positive, you get everything. You get all all the treatments. And that that is good, but that also means you get all the treatments. So you get to accumulate all of the side effects.
1: I, I honestly couldn't tell you. know It's the same thing people will say to me. Oh, you're so lucky you got seven years before your mom passed. I'm like, she suffered for seven years. It was seven years of waiting to watch her and go from this amazing, beautiful person to this just very thin, frail, couldn't do anything herself. You know, I don't know what's worse if, you know, someone has six days to say goodbye. 24 hours or seven years—it's all pretty bad. Same thing. I don't think there's a breast cancer, a cancer that's you know easier. Um, We have no real treatment besides like a very generic because unfortunately there just isn't data out there for targeted therapy. So in that sense, yes, you guys have targeted therapy and it's great, but then and we have less, so we have to do chemo no matter what. It's it's such a roll the dice of. T- pick your poison literally
0: <laughs> yeah it literally is pick your poison it's true it, it is absolutely so true It is pick your poison. Either
1: way, you know everyone's like wow you don't have to do anything post all your treatment i'm like wow does that mean i'm gonna get it again because i don't know that that's any better i mean <laughs> you know so yeah.
0: <laughs> i'm super glad you're talking about this so so that actually brings me to my next question so on so over the last maybe two two years, right, That so two years, 2020 happens, you start this Instagram account, you're doing these giveaways, you're sort of creating this, uh, what's the right word? You're kind of partnering with organizations to get products and then giving them to patients who really need no, it and you're no. kind of filtering them.
1: Actually, um, my friends and I pay for all the products ourselves. We've wanted to grow our Instagram so badly because then you get partnerships because we're obviously spending a lot of our own money. And right now it's okay. But for me to grow on a much larger scale, it would be nice to have much either larger donations um, or, you know, right now we're selling, you know, cups that we've made for people that have passed putting their, you know, logos on it or their quotes, whatever, um, and all that money. Percent either goes to their family or goes straight into S- Soulful Sunflower to purchase more product. But for the most part, it's me, my friends, coworkers, family members who are putting in the money. And I mean, we've given away over seventy. Um, there are a couple times that people have come to me and been like, "Like, I just did a giveaway for a beautiful hat. Um, you guys partnered with us with a journal, and our box will go out." Um, and so I think it's just finding little people that will you know, kind of give something that we can either, it's either a discount code or something that we can keep afloat. So we try not to purchase at full, full price because it is expensive and we don't have a cash flow. It's really about buying product, putting together these beautiful boxes and getting them in the hands to the right, you know, the right person. And and that's been a challenge. You ask about Instagram and I'm still trying to, you know, they say that you get more partnerships at 10,000 followers. It's It's been hard because I also get a lot of the same repeat people entering and not that that's upsetting at all. I just would love to get these boxes in somebody new because what I've seen is I'll have people write me, these were the best boxes. I loved the product. Now I purchase one monthly. I mean, it's it's about finding something you never would have bought yourself. It's Kind of like an Ipsy box, like a cancer Ipsy box. None of them are the same. So I just, I think that's ultimately my dream is to make sure we get thousands and thousands of people entering. Where, like once a week, there's really a new winner, and not somebody that we're kind of filtering. You know, we've kind of gotten to the point where it's a lot of the same people. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm still learning how to grow too. And I work full time, so it's it's you know challenging to do all this and work full time, but I think for me, it's so important. So lately we've been like donating to Banner Children. So we did a bunch of sunflower blankets that we all made and donated to them and they loved it. So finding these little organizations that will take stuff to new people for us is really helpful.
0: That's amazing, Jessica. So I I have a couple of questions for you. The first is you're working full time. Do you mind telling us why you work and how you manage to do all of this on the side?
1: Um, No idea. Yes, I actually... (laughs) Um, I went to school to be a dietitian, and in my late 20s. So I went back to school a second time after my mom passed. Um, as many people might know that you go through kind of a transition. I mean, I was young, I was 27 when she yeah. passed away. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do anymore. And I wanted to get in alignment. So I went back to school thought that I could maybe help cancer patients that way. I decided to go industry and I was actually um, basically educating doctors on nutrition and helping cancer patients, but it wasn't just cancer. It was internal medicine and a bunch of other different um, basically in, you know, clinics that I was seeing. I wow. wanted to align with just oncology. So that's been my straight passion after starting my nonprofit. And what I found was I worked with a health, like a life coach. Um, and she and I worked together for a whole year to basically put myself that the next position I took was going to be something that really aligned with my passion. And now I work only in oncology and I work for a blood biopsy company that, um, helps identify targetable, actionable biomarkers. So I am so passionate. So at least that 24 seven, I am always involved in this community and I feel really grateful, blessed that I went th- through something so traumatic and ended up on the other side and finding really what makes me happy.
0: I, I love that. Um, we have, in some ways, really similar stories, because in my day job, I do uh, work in the life science space, and I actually just left my full-time job in infectious oh, disease, but- switched to oncology as well.
1: Uh, so. Oh, I just said I love it. That's awesome
0: thank you yeah we I I totally understand that and I think one of the quotes that comes to mind is I don't know if you ever read Tuesdays with Maury it's a book about
1: I have that in on my bookshelf yes
0: so there's a quote in that and if you've read of course you know it which is when you truly embrace your mortality your ambitions change and your story reminds me of that and this transformation that kind of happens probably over the course for you, over decades? Seeing your mom go through it, seeing your sister navigate it, going through it yourself, and then kind of transitioning your life? I don't know it's if you a, have any... Yeah.
1: It's, a, it's been, it's been um, a, you know, post-cancer, and I'm sure that you feel this way too, and I think a lot of us do. I know I get messages every day about this, navigating survivorship is actually almost harder than going through treatment for some reason everybody there and and you're and you're not making these huge decisions really alone and not that there are these huge decisions post-cancer it's like the noise is gone and you kind of have to deal with it but you don't really know how to deal with it and you don't really feel because you were in survivor mode you know for so long you're like now what and and i think that's why for me Life coaching because I didn't even know how to navigate, like, what is next, and what is you know, who do I want around me in this next journey? I wanted very specific people to be around me and who I wanted to, you know, fill because I have such little energy. So at this point, you know, I need to focus that and en- that little energy I have on the good of. I mean, I really do believe that cancer happened for me and not to me, and I think if we can change our perspective on you know, I think I never really got that victim mentality and maybe because I knew it was possible for so many years. Like there wasn't this, why me? It was like, well, you got this gene, you had this gene and it's been 16 years and it finally happened, you know? So I think I just learned that it actually made me a better person. I'm just having, and I will be the first to admit, I am definitely struggling mentally on, on this post-survival, there's the guilt, there's the side effects, there's the, um, just the mental, like, what's happening, um, the sleep disruption, I mean, you name it, I'm experiencing it. And I, I like to be loud and open about it, because I know that during it, I felt like I was suffering in silence. And now I'm like, no way am I allowing myself to be silent anymore. And I think that, Um, You know, I would want anybody who's listening to this to know they can always reach out to me like I do really enjoy talking with others and to bring them comfort and knowing like I do suffer from anxiety. I do feel this. um, I don't I'm not as anxious about getting it again. I'm more just like uh, what just happened. And it's kind of like getting that two years back or allowing that to be in the past and really moving forward with. I call it executive presence. I really want to navigate back into the world with the confidence I once had. And it's definitely a weird, uh, There's, it's really hard to describe. And I'm sure you can agree that it's it's a weird place to be.
0: <laughs> definitely a weird place to be. I love executive presence. I love that you said that. I had never thought of it that way before, but I can absolutely relate to that because I do think in a funny way, it's a confidence heft. And I'm not
1: really <laughs> how, because it's not like we chose this route. So why do we blame ourselves for getting here? And wow. when I'm mad at myself for being anxious, like it kind of comes with the territory. So why am I getting angry at my? It's like the, the journey in our heads that make it way worse. So um, I think that It's just, yeah, it's such a weird place. And I definitely wish I could figure out, I know that since I live in Arizona, I try to find community. And I do think that survivorship needs more presence and needs more support because for me, I was a stage one and I get that that might be lucky and whatnot, but then you're almost not monitored. So I don't know if that's lucky either. You're just kind of like, you're done luck. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Am I doing everything I should be doing? Help, help. I'm doggy paddling sometimes. So, and, and something i love for, you know, your listeners to hear is I think that just knowing that, you know, our system is a challenge and, and we have to advocate for ourselves and um, don't give up because it, it can be really defeating when you are asking for everything you possibly can, or the people who don't know what to ask for um, you're so debilitated in the cancer diagnoses, you, you don't know what to say or what to ask for. And I think that's where we can come together and, and ask the good questions and make sure that you feel confident in the information or second opinions or third opinions. You know, I think for me, I had a really good support system of education and knowing about the oncology space, where I feel like just an average person who is not in healthcare would not even know, like, I, I agree that they wouldn't even know what to ask for.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's so much in what you just said that we can honestly unpack, Jessica, because I heard the, I'm doggy paddling, and the image, of, uh, the image that's been in my head ever since treatment ended is that I was on a, I was, treatment, and treatment was like putting me at the edge of a cliff. Treatment ending was me being thrown off the cliff, and I was like free falling. And at some point you hit the water and you're like, okay, now what do I do? I have no direct, I don't know what direction to swim in. And so you, your image of doggy paddling with the image of me like being thrown off the cliff is uh, the combination there is uh, <laughs> a little grim. <laughs> but I was going to say It that, captures it.
1: With our own funny meme about like what it feels like post-treatment. It's like jumping off the cliff and landing and then basically being like, what now? And And not to say that we are not strong individuals, it's just that, it's like, we we are not, you know, just understanding what what to do. And and that is why I got a coach, because I felt like I just needed help navigating certain situations. I was becoming overwhelmed easily. I was feeling the exhaustion of working full-time and just the exhaustion of, I had so many surgeries. So you talk about chemo brain you think of menopause brain, you think like lack of estrogen, then you think of anesthesia brain. I mean, it was like, I actually used to do presentations and I would share that I'm so sorry, but sometimes my speech was so delayed. I couldn't think of things right yeah. off the top. I used to, yeah. and it actually lowered the resistance of the room because they felt like, oh, just take your, like, there was no judgment. I felt very like, oh my yeah. goodness, if it I'd I'd want someone to respect that. So I think sharing that, um, I'm not trying to make a crutch out of cancer, but it was like, oh my goodness, I was not thinking as sharply as I once did. So give me a moment to catch up. And if I take breaks, it's because I'm trying to, you know, really think there. So it's, it's okay to be vulnerable in this. I actually think people understand more, especially if they've never gone through it, they feel, maybe they feel bad and, and that's not the right term, but I think they they give us the space to make um, you know, if we make mistakes.
0: I I almost wish I had heard you talk to me maybe last year. Because every, <laughs> I, and I'm not even joking because everything you're describing is something that like like you, right? I was uh I was working full time, didn't take time off, in like navigating getting treatment and I was a leader at a medical device company and and that moment of my speech is not catching up. And I remember telling my, uh, my boss that, and I was like, look, it's because my brain is, it's, it's almost like there's like this lag and I can't explain it, but I don't think I had the courage to say that to a full room of people. And I, looking back, wish I had, because I do think that saying it out loud to your point would have created space for me to take my time and not put that pressure on myself, and yeah. to give myself the kind of like space to get there. So I, I really wish I'd heard your story last year,
1: oh, So I, well, I think you have
0: like, given me I, a little bit more.
1: <laughs> I'm not done sharing. I, I still I think that's so important because when you know I'm like you, I'm in sales and you're talking to a lot of people, and I can't yeah. begin to even explain to people how. <laughs> I'm, I don't get embarrassed easily. I'm very outgoing. I'm a high eye on the disc pro. I mean, I am very outgoing, talkative, love to talk. But it was becoming a thing where I was so anxious because I was like, what if I forget to say what I needed to say? What if I don't can't even express myself because the lag was so... And, and I, to even explain it, it was more like what I was thinking wasn't even, I could not articulate. The words weren't even coming to me. It was like, uh, and then I would, completely forget what I was talking about. But I think allowing that vulnerability of like, listen, I'm taking notes because I have a hard time remembering lately. Um, And I think people can really relate because they've probably been through some sort of traumatic event where maybe they were uncomfortable at one point. So that's why I think, you know, moving on, I definitely, if I still get myself in that spot, I, I feel like, you know, I can't, blame it forever, but I do think, like, give me a chance, and when I do share my story with oncologists now, they're like, wow, like, you look so great, and, you know, I think we forget that looking great is also not how we feel on the inside, and and that's the big, um, I'm not sure about you with, like, hair loss or anything, but I, I cold capped, so I only lost um, the top part. I was bald on top and wore a hat, like, all the time, but my hair grew back fast it, it I look super you know it's, I'm a year out and it looks like nothing ever happened but that was also a catch22 of oh my gosh you look great you must feel so much better and it was like no, I don't thank you for asking <laughs> So okay, I
0: think I that, that, that.
1: <laughs> that if you're not if you're not bald or you're not losing your eyebrows and your eyelashes that you're fine and I think that that is such an unfair statement that we have to be very, um, we need to be better at bringing to, you know, uh, fruition of sharing that no matter how we look, it does not explain how we really feel post cancer.
0: It, it's totally true, and I fully relate. I lost all my hair, and the good, the good half was it was COVID, so I could turn my Zoom nope. camera off. Yep. So I didn't need to deal with it to some extent. <laughs> I just them I problem. have my hair not all the time
1: or a hat. And you're right, COVID definitely helped. But I think of people getting diagnosed now. And, and if anybody that's listening ever wants has any questions on cold capping, I would be happy to answer. I, I really am a big believer if it's important to you to save some of your hair. It's not gonna all it's not always a hundred percent. So I never want to say that I lost about 50, but it was so manageable. My hair grew back so fast because of the cold. Um, so it actually grew back during treatment, which was really cool. So by the time I was done, I mean, I literally looked like I had lost nothing. Um, so that was really helpful, but it it comes with its own side effects. So, you know, yeah. there's always a the cost of something, whether it being, you know, monetary, physically, emotionally, mentally, there was, there's a cost. And I think it's just what's important to you to navigate through it. You know, I still, um, if someone looks at my last post, I posted uh, me wearing a hat, I had not one eyelash. And I think I had my eyebrows drawn on. So it's, you know, I, I didn't feel super confident in posting that photo at first, but you know, I did, I do realize that that was part of my journey and I need to share all of it. And I try to very openly. Uh, So I think with that being said, yeah, I just think that we need to be, you know, we need to remind people who (laughs) haven't been there that, you know, just because we may look great, it's, not how we necessarily feel bald does not equal sickness or cancer, you know, I think that that's such a huge stigma of unfortunate um you know I think that you know I didn't lose all my hair, so I must have not felt sick, and I think that's um that was really hard to explain to people, and I didn't even want to explain it to people. I didn't care what they thought. I'm like, well, I don't feel good, and that's on me, you know, so yeah
0: yeah. Jessica this has been amazing I, I didn't walk in I, I sort of expected us talking about Instagram today but I feel as though we've covered so many different topics and each of them we spoke about BRCA and TNBC. we spoke about prophylactically doing surgeries expecting something and then having a very different outcome when you walk out of the door of surgery we spoke about how today post end of treatment you're navigating and so am I all of the fun, fun uh, moments of survivorship and what that means and what does that mean for life and doggy paddling and trying to figure out what the next journey looks like. We also spoke about finding meaning because I I heard that theme throughout our conversation today about Mm -hmm. finding meaning through giving back to the community while you're going through chemo, finding meaning today and trying to figure out how to scale and make your nonprofit sustainable long-term so that your story and your work can impact more lives. I heard about, um, I think your kind offer to support everyone coming through and how that actually continues to give you meaning Mm
1: -hmm. and that
0: anybody navigating either a cool cap or nutrition or trying to do a genetic test can reach out to you and ask you for support. So I want to thank you for sharing the many, many themes of this conversation because I think it has enriched my life just hearing about it. I think and that to me goes a long way because when I I, I like your work in the space now. And when I walk away from a conversation being like Jessica changed my life and I wish I had like known her while I was going through treatment. I think that's a pretty
1: I, I get emotional and I, I'm I'm feeling the the goosebumps is what I always say. The goosies of we were meant to connect. We were meant to to team up here. Um it sounds like we both have just such a bright light of making something that is traumatic, no matter which way you spin it into finding, you know, hopefully we're starting to do um, what like, like the breaststroke, whatever the best uh, yeah. stroke paddling, <laughs> or when we jump off the cliff, we are then going straight to, you know, um, doing a good stroke in the in the water. And I, and I, I don't think there's a perfect way to navigate. And, and I think we're all just trying to find that but knowing that we have each other because I do think that I meet a lot of people along the way. It's very difficult to just talk to your friends because if they've never gone through it, um, they really don't understand. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're not bad people. It's just, they cannot even comprehend what we went through. It's just different.
0: No, I think that's true. I use the analogy of being diagnosed with cancer is you get exclusive access to this vip club that nobody actually wants to belong to but once you're in you're in and i think that's actually one of the best gifts of cancer it's you get access to this vip club that nobody else is part
1: yeah of. So. I, I know it, it's and i've been saying that since i lost my mom uh, a motherless you know da- there's a motherless daughter's club and i kept saying it was a club i did not ask for i did not want to be in um and I think at the end of the day I just want to go out there and make her proud that I you know she was she suffered a lot in silence and did not have I don't believe the support that she would have liked and to be quite honest I was not supported I didn't understand I was too young to I was just so sad that she was sick so I could not be there as this really rock for her but now I've learned to to really, um, I want to be there for others. And, and, you know, obviously we're going to have good days and bad days. And I never want to say there's some negative, you know, anything negative, or you can't be negative, but you have to spin it as best as you can that, um, you know, Mm -hmm. attitude is everything. And, and there are days that I am like, this sucks. So I don't ever want someone to think I'm, you know, everyone's like, you're so positive. I'm like, yeah, but not everybody gets to see it all, right? I mean, it's, it can't always be butterflies and rainbows.
0: <laughs> or sunflowers, hey. Or
1: sunflowers, sunflowers. I, I will tell you, if you looked around my whole house, there's sun- I'm wearing sunflowers. There's sunflowers everywhere. So I do just think sunflowers is super, um, brings cheer, it brings sunshine, it brings happiness. When now when people see them, they think of me and I'm hopeful. It's only good positive light that can be, you know, shed around. So I really do appreciate you bringing me on here. I love hearing your story. It is still just knowing I wasn't alone in, in a lot of the way I explain things. It's nice to know we're you know we're all in this place together. And if there was some streamlined way of how to get through it, we'd obviously all be doing it. But <laughs> I, we're the ones who have to pave the way of figuring out how to do a survivorship. How do you make it through I mean how do you navigate it? I think that's really that could be its own podcast of, of tips and tricks and hearing from other people that, you know, how they do it.
0: I, I totally agree. So we, we are scheduling a part two is what we're doing. <laughs> Got it.
1: <Perfect. laughs> I love it. Yes, I will do it. I'm loving this. Awesome. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, this was, it was just so nice to meet you.
0: Likewise, Jessica. I'm so glad you came on board. Thank you so much and we will get to part two soon perfect this podcast show notes and newsletter is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine nursing or other professional health care services including the giving of medical advice and no doctor patient relationship is formed the use of information on this podcast, or any materials linked from this blog is at the user's own risk. The content here is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have, and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.